matter where you start in the crow's end, it's still become one large black feathery bloody amalgamation. Hello everyone, I'm Jim Sterling. Welcome to Podquisition. I'm joined here, as always, by my good friend Laura. Hello. Hello, I am busy eating chicken nuggets because I did not start dinner early enough and this show has to happen at a set time because we have schedules and lives to lead. We got, we got so much to do. There is so much to do. Um, I know, how will we ever fit it into an hour-long show that never fits into being an hour long? I, we probably just won't bother. We'll probably, yeah. we'll probably just talk a load of shit for well past the time where we said yeah. we'd stop. We'll be like, oh, this is an hour-long video game show and we spent 45 minutes talking about shit in the bathtub. Oh, fuck, I guess we'd better go, like, an extra half hour or something. Yeah, so, on, I was going to say on that subject, because <laughs> that was a good lead-in, but then I realised you just talked about shit in the bath, and that would make it sound like I'm calling Gavin a load of shit in the bath. Gavin, you're not a load of shit in the bath, are you? Mm, I guess it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, that is true. Um, how are you doing today, Gavin? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Oh, that's fantastic, that's fantastic. Um, I am a bit worried myself this week. Why are you a bit I've worried, say, Jim? Um, I feel like the walls are closing in and I'm finally about to get rumbled. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it feels like, I mean, we're coming up to a year of uh, the Jimquisition being an independent endeavour, coming up to almost a year of, of my independence and, and of the Patreon uh, that, that so... Uh, uh, wonderfully supports the work I do under the Jimquisition banner. Oh, oh, I know where we're going. Um, I, I completely agree. I am very concerned that everything's about to fall apart well, for everyone involved. Yeah, I was worried because I know you know about this and I felt bad bringing it yeah. up to you because I know that you, you as well have a Patreon page and that you're, you know, doing really well on it. And Indeed, but... I am also getting in the thousands of dollars a month to, you know make a podcast that, you know, other people work on and to do some other bits of bullshit. Yeah, so I just want to read out, because I, I feel like... Because this comment was left on the last Jimquisition episode I did, on the Jimquisition.com, and, and it's worrying, because this person clearly has uh, uh, their ear to the ground, and they know what's coming. So I'm just going to read out what they said. Um, I seriously can't wait for some sort of official governing body to investigate Patreon. $11,000 a month. For what, exactly? I'm assuming he spent $10 on that mask, and the rest of the cash goes into some sort of private saving fund? $11,000 for the production of this show, and a podcast that someone else does the work on? Looking forward to the day that Patreon users are put in the spotlight and investigated! <laughs> now, I think I, he I'm, kind of I'm... misses how Patreon works there. Like, if people want to give you 11000 to sit on your ass and wank into a camera all day, that's their prerogative. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Forgetting the fact that, like, I had to fill in a an American government Web8 form, like, when I signed up for Patreon. So, like, the American government knows I'm doing this. That aside, exactly. You know what? Like, cost of living isn't a thing that exists. And, you know, if people want to pay... Yeah, as you said, if someone wants to pay me to wank into a bucket, then that's their prerogative, not mine. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it was amazing. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I do talk about comments a lot, because some of them are just so out there, and there's so much boiled piss that it makes me laugh. But that was one of the most, I mean, I awarded that person uh, for giving possibly the dumbest, most out-of-touch 
pathetic comment I've ever read on my in my website short life. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be topped in the future. But but the sheer disconnect between that person's perception and reality itself is amazing. I I just love the world in which like. Patreon has been going on for this long and none of the official bodies that are planning to, sh- that like have the legal authority to shut it down for the sham it is. None of them have noticed. In his world, he is the only person who's noticed that Patreon <laughs> exists. Like he's like, oh my God, have you heard about this thing that people are doing? Giving money to creators they like? I think it's happening in the shadows of the internet somewhere. Yeah, never mind that patronage is a concept that's been going on since, like, the 15th, 16th fucking century. Um, Yeah. This guy... Hey, this this painter makes good paintings. I will pay, pay him to make paintings. Um, yeah, I, I did some intense investigative journalism this week and went mm-hmm. onto YouTube and searched for Jim Sterling. And sure enough, after some intense searching, I found that actually, yes, he does have videos that he makes. Holy shit. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but those don't cost anything there. to make. Those videos cost nothing to make. All they cost him is his time... And all of the costs associated with working and making a living and having a home. That's all it costs him to make those videos. Nothing more. I mean, really, what you got to do, I mean, as everyone knows, if you're doing Patreon, um, every single last dime that you make needs to go towards the product. And if you you go under budget, you burn the rest in a big dumpster fire. And even, like, it's not even spending it on the project. It has to be spent on the project in a way that the audience can see. It cannot be spent on any of the running costs of the business. Mm -hmm. No. No electricity bills, no computer equipment, no camera, no microphone, none of that. No recording space, none of that. No, that that stuff, I mean, Patreon gives you that stuff when you sign up. They're like, what do you need? I need a house, I need my mortgage paid. Uh, Taxes, can you sort that out so I don't have to pay any of those? Uh, Clothes and feed my family, they do all of that. Yeah, we will sort all of that. You just take unnecessary money from the internet and pump it into your content yeah. in a very visible way. Money which we, as as Patreon, will be forcing people to fork over by putting guns to their fucking genitals. Exactly. Um, holy speaking, shit. Like, speaking of... Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, no, I was just, I, I just going to continue being oh. sarcastic <laughs> and ab- abusive towards this one person. On the <laughs> I mean, I say it's one person. I mean, he... Even though it was one comment, it does echo some of the sentiment that I've seen a lot from people over the year this past oh, year. Oh, God. The, yeah. the number of times in the last nine months since I've been on Patreon that I've seen people describe it as um, as charity. It's like, oh, you're accepting everyone's charity. It's like, no, I am working charity. really hard. What the fuck? Seven days of Like, I'm working seven days a week to make content that people like enough that they're yeah. like, yes, I will pay to see more of this content. Ergo, I make a living out yeah. of it. Hipster Actually, welfare is the one that I heard it called. Mm. Which not oh. only is offensive to um, you know people who are on welfare, as if you know it's something to be thoroughly ashamed of when some people can't help being on welfare. Um, just the idea that I mean, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of charity, welfare, all this kind of stuff. Mm. It's called patronage. It's existed for centuries. You fucking morons. Mm. 
it's the concept of people who are well off enough that they have excess money that wish to experience art that they are like, oh, I want to fund this artist because I have some excess money in my funds and I would like to support this artist. Yeah, I mean... And, and then also, you create a career out of it because that's the decades, centuries old thing. And I'll give this one to that guy for free, right? Yes, I do put a lot of the money into a private savings account. It's called fiscal responsibility. It's called wanting to survive in the future. Yeah, dumb-witted dullard. And they must be listening, because they, they clearly follow the work enough while sat there furious that well, it exists. Yeah. They, they follow the work enough that they're aware that I do the editing if on the podcast. If you were making which, 50 grand a month and you were spending half of that on drugs and hookers and sheep... It would, ma- it would not make a hat of fucking difference as long as your audience wanted to keep what? paying you for that. Here's the thing. It would certainly be more visible in the content you create. Mm. That would be a more visible way to oh, spend yeah. your money. Oh, if yeah. If I was mainlining <laughs> cocaine before I did each video, people would know. <laughs> and see, that's, he'd probably be fine with that because that's a use of your money that can be seen in the end product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jim, Jim shouldn't do it. cocaine anyway. I've seen what happens when he comes off sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I never come off sugar if you seen the size of me, mate. <laughs> oh. Speaking of charity, can I give a plug? Oh, please, please. So we're doing um, a super bundle on groupies. This uh, It's G-R-O-U-P-E-E-S, which, by the way, was a funny thing to explain to my girlfriend why I had a folder in my email called groupies groupies messages. <laughs> but uh, we're doing a huge big bundle sale. All my albums are in it, and... It's 50% goes to Syria, the Red Cross Syria crisis. And I am so fucking proud of my fans. We've already raised four and a half grand for Syria this week. Nice. And nice. The, the, like the total is just under 9,000. So that's like amazing. That is pretty damn so impressive. Come on over and support that because it's a good cause. So there you Ooh, go. That, so that is, pl- that is a good thing. What to give your money to yep. that is actually charity yeah. as opposed <laughs> yeah. to, you know, Patreon. Yeah. Um, but anyway, video games, video everything games. we do on this show. Uh, let's, can, I, can I kick off? Can I kick off with um, Tony did I just Did I just hear someone just say cock? <laughs> just randomly no. blurt out cock? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know what comes I out of my mouth or goes in half it the does, time. So, know. yeah, I mean, it could be cock either direction. But um, I did want to kick off. I think that's what you misheard me say. Ah, um, that I'd like must to have kick, been a like Freudian, Freudian mishearing. Yeah. I'd like to. You'd cock. like to kick off. I'd like to cock with um, a new cock that I've been. Can I? Can so I just say you had to? It. You had to say kick off about eight times before I picked up on the subtle pun you'd introduced. Did I do a? Did I even do a pun? Well, I'm assuming kick off is a, is a skateboarding pun because you're uh, going to go into the Tony Hawks. I didn't realise kick off was even. I skating is not I, my I, thing. I think it's a skating <laughs> term. Maybe I'm getting confused with kick flip. I'll be honest. Most of my experience of skateboard games until this one. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I'm well. I know enough about the Tony Hawk stuff, but most of it comes from um, Spyro Two, where they had a skateboarding mini game, which is actually good because the quality with Tony Hawk Five is about the same. It doesn't feel any different from the fucking PlayStation One mini game I played in Spyro Two. Uh, this. This game's amazing. It, it released today or yesterday. I mean, I think it shipped yesterday and, and was available today. And uh, Polygon did a very entertaining video on it. Um, there are a lot of GIFs going around already of it. Uh, it is basically Goat Simulator on a skateboard. It's 
it's just so wonky. It's incredible. Oh, it's it are... looks like garbage. Like, it looks to like say, pure to say that trash. game is bought ugly is an insult to bots. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some weird as hell news stories coming out of Tony Hawk Five, like in the first couple of days since release. Like, yeah. there are two in particular that I think are interesting and that say a lot about the quality of this game. First of all, the day one patch for Tony Hawk Five is bigger than the game files that shipped for yes. the game. Someone told me that if you don't install the patch, you just get the tutorial and opening sort of Yes, arena. exactly. Like, none of the game is actually in the game. Considerably what more of the game connected? is a day one patch. So what having, never, having never played any of these games, I have to ask, are the other ones good or are they all shit? The other ones are pretty decent. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, there's this a lot is... Of Pretty is this out of Hawkins. character for the series is what I'm asking? Or this, is, yes. this... this is far yes. worse than any to- okay. Tony Hawk game has like, ever even, been. Even my other half like knows of and likes the Tony Hawk games. And she, yeah. you know, she's not that big a gamer. Um, yeah. And it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, I, again, sports games are not my general area of expertise, but I don't think it would be unfair to liken it to like, it is to skateboarding what like FIFA and PES are to football. You know, it's this, it's the skating game, the skateboarding game. Um, oh, yeah, and it's it's basically like silly skateboarding fun that is very enjoyable while you listen to some pop punk from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, like it's, that's it's... that's kind of what Tony Hawk has always been. Is it's like it's not the most technical thing in the world, but it's a hell of a lot of fun, and there's a cool sort of pop punk soundtrack yeah, going you know, on. I'm not very good at those games, but it's a laugh to just sort of go in and see if you can flip and then fall over and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like, ah, um, oh, I broke all my bones. Yeah. Oh. But this one, this one, I mean, it's just hideous to look at. The, the physics are incredible. Like, I must admit, like, I mean... I've been entertained for the wrong reasons. I will say it's a vastly entertaining game for all the wrong reasons. I spent it's, like half an hour just falling over to see what Tony Hawk did it, next. It is a game where you are laughing at the game rather oh, than yeah. with it. Do you know, that's that a funny, funny one with, with Goat Simulator because I thought there was something wrong with me that I was like the only person in the world who did not find that game funny or entertaining. Goat Simulator at least committed to being what it was. It did it on purpose, at least. Ghost Simulator, though, felt like... Do you remember when the Simpsons movie came out, Spider-Pig was funny for about five minutes, and then yeah, everyone started yeah. quoting it, well, and it got the, the, really old? That's what, like, Ghost Simulator feels like, one joke that they try and stretch out. I don't out. disagree. I, 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 um, yeah. I, I did find it funny for about five minutes, and then I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. done here. I can certainly see that perspective. Like, I can see what it's doing, and again, as as we were saying... At least Goat Simulator is trying to be that and it commits fully to that as an idea, whereas Tony Hawk does not commit to it because it accidentally stumbled into being it that. Want, and it didn't want to be that. It no, it wanted that. to be a serious Tony Hawk game and it turned out shit. And you know why it turned out shit? Because we're hearing some stories today about that game's development. Yeah. Well, let's just say why it yeah. is allegedly why it turned <clears throat> out okay, shit. Okay, why it's allegedly shit. Okay, yeah. so... The alleged reason that the quality of the game is as low as it is is apparently because Activision loses the Tony Hawk license at the end of this year. And as such, they had to guarantee that the game got out the door this year 
or they wouldn't be able to ship it because they'd lose the license. I mean, it makes it would make sense because it, it has it been feels, so long since yeah. a Tony Hawk game, and so to yeah. have one just shut out like this with a stealth release, no less. Like it, it wasn't mm. promoted at all; it just out it came. This does feel like a last cash grab with the yeah. we've got the license for like another six months. Let's fart out a game. Hope that people don't sniff too strongly when they're near it. Hope that they buy the fart and then we run away and yeah. say whoever smelt it dealt it. I mean, I don't think they even care if it, if it's bored at this point. Um, certainly, not enough effort was put into it where they'd be losing much money. They probably need to put in just enough to where the the dedicated hardcore people who would buy it just because it's Tony Hawk would probably give them a profit. Um, in in movies, this thing is called an ash can project. Uh, one of the, the, the more notable ones I can think of is the last Hellraiser film, mm. where in order to keep the rights to Hellraiser, now I forget who, is, is it Dimension Films? It might be them. Um, I don't know. But whoever whoever has the license to uh, the Hellraiser films, uh, they did what, what is called an Ashcan project, where it's like they don't even care if it's seen. They just got to make it. Well... This the, the the big high profile version of this that's going on at the moment is the whole thing with Fox still having a load of the Marvel licenses. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because, I would say yeah. that's less of an Ash. Ash can well, is, is very much a, a a film that's designed not even to make money or get any press. Whereas, did, the Spider-Man did you reboots, see Fantastic Four? <laughs> it was shit, but they that, tried. That's the I thing. I don't know if they tried. <laughs> they did try. I mean, they, there is a very distinct <laughs> definition of Ashcan. Um, mo- okay. Mostly because that, like that, the word symbolizes what it's meant to be there for. It's mm. made to be thrown away. Just so you that get that. Say, you get that sometimes it. with musicians as well when they sign like a, f- a five album yeah. deal and then they hate the record label after three albums. <laughs> oh so yes, just yes, I've heard a few. Put out two like half hour yeah. pieces of rubbish to get off the actually, contract. Actually, happened to ELO as well. Uh, there's. Yeah. My, my particularly favourite band is the last three albums, even though they were actually really quite good. Well, mm. the last one was a bit iffy, but Jefflin didn't want to do them, but was locked into that kind of thing. Incidentally, mm. new ELO album coming out soon. I'm excited as fuck. Oh, um, I got really excited for a minute, then really disappointed today because I was looking through a brochure of bands and musical acts that are coming to the town I live in. And I was like, oh, is that ELO coming to my town? No, it's an ELO tribute act playing a really big venue, like a suspiciously big venue for a tribute act. Yeah. So I was, I was excited for a second. I was like, oh, I can see what all the, all the fuss is about with ELO. Yeah, but um, there is a, 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 a brand new song on YouTube by Jeff Lynn's ELO. That's why they're calling it now. A bit arrogant, but I understand why. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, like I say, Ashken, if, for an Ash, if you want a, 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 an example of a Fantastic Four Ashcan project, that Fantastic Four movie that was never meant to be released was one. That one that apparently mm. people say is is better than the official one that just came out because at least it was entertaining in a cheesy way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are these movies that are made that aren't even intended to be released properly. And that seems to be almost what they've done with Tony Hawk. Like, they have put it out there, but they clearly don't give a shit whether it's bought or not. And and yeah, I mean, I'd love to get some confirmation on that because when you're dealing with... When you're dealing with movie tickets and shit, like that's one thing. But sixty dollar products uh, is another mm. matter entirely, and that's absolutely yeah. beyond the pale. Like I'm, I am amazed that this shipped at sixty dollars. Like I assume they'd have at yeah. least done the the uh, either the digital only release or the like uh, Splatoon esque limited price release or something. I think that's an Activision yeah. thing. I think Activision themselves are incapable of thinking in the realm of budget because there are many yeah. things they've brought out. I mean, 
you know, of course, Bobby Kotick once famously said if he could get away with charging more than 60 bucks for Call of Duty, he would. And in fact, one of the Call of Duty games in the UK came out one year at an increased price just because they could. Uh, actually, wasn't there wasn't there a topic about that this week? Something about Call of Duty's campaign oh, not being included yeah, on the yeah. previous no, gen versions. There's there's a two pronged thing about Call of Duty that I think is amazing. So first of all, we got the news that the last gen versions of Call of Duty are not going to have the campaign; they're just going to be multiplayer. Mm. And then the thing that kind of got tacked onto the end of this news, which I think is amazing, is. Oh yeah, we're not giving you the campaign on the PS3 or 360 versions, but we will knock $10 off of the price. Which, interestingly enough, suggests that the campaign in Call of Duty is only valued at about $10 Honestly, by uh, the people Honestly, to most, to the vast majority it. of players it is. Yeah, I mean, I that's, mean yeah, that that's, is true. That's like, I, I look at that, it's like, that's the majority of why I buy it. Yeah. And I love I mean, the like, Call I of actually... Duty campaigns, but the vast majority of people don't even, yeah. don't even it, ever it play is... them. It is interesting to see them put a definitive financial number mm. on what not playing the campaign think, is worth I think as like they a financial just make value. The campaigns separate games. And and like this is just very cynical business thing here, but they could sell them both, do you know? Uh, it's it's that fear of putting out something that is a multiplayer only product just in terms of mm. There is like a taboo associated with that, and we've seen we've seen multiplayer only projects recently Titanfall fail got quite a lot considerably. Of shit over it, didn't it? Well, yeah. See, seeing how Titanfall performed, mm. I think that is a lot of things you don't with, want to be lumped in with Titanfall. I guess with Call of Duty as well, it's it's the campaign every year that gives the context to the whole aesthetic and mechanics. It gives and them something to mm. have things in, in the multiplayer. Yeah, it gives At you least. the big yeah. It gives you the big narrative yeah. actually, that leads yeah. into. I'm, I'm yeah, looking everything. forward to Black Ops Three though. I think it's going to be. Cool. I think you Treyarch. Know, Treyarch's always done well with Black yeah. Ops. At, oh my god! At this moment, I think Treyarch are the best of the three Call of Duty developers. I agree and, with that. Yeah, point. and their now, their campaigns are always really good. Although I did hear this week that the original creator of Call of Duty Four, the main director, is back with Infinity Ward now. So that might be good news as well for the yeah, next we'll, one. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But I forgot there is there is a really big piece of Call of Duty news that broke last night. Mm that I think is potentially the most poor taste PR move of the year. Oh, oh yes, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, there are certain rules when your Twitter account gets verified that Activision apparently aren't aware of. So when your Twitter account gets verified, you have to agree to certain terms that basically say, hey, you can't go and change all of the information on your profile and say that you're someone else and keep your verified tick. Because... That verified tick is like a symbol of, yeah, you're a verified person. You are who you say you are. Therefore, if you change yourself, let's say from being the Call of Duty Twitter account to a Twitter account that says it's a news account with the bio saying it's a news account and the header image and like thumbnail saying you're a news account. Don't try and and make yourself look like a legitimate news corporation. Yeah, a legitimate news corporation that has a verified tick next to it so that people (laughs) will take your news seriously. Because... Yesterday, the official Call of Duty Twitter account thought it would be fun to do exactly that, to make themselves look like an official Twitter uh, Twitter account for a news organisation that had a verified tick next to it, so it looked legit, and then tweet out a fake Singapore terrorist attack. <laughs> they tweeted, breaking news, a uh, bomb has gone off in the centre, in like the... the 
some kind of central district of Singapore. Uh, they then started tweeting about how a state of national emergency that's, had been declared, how martial cool. law had been declared, and all of this while, like, sure, if you click on it, you will see that it is the Call of Duty Twitter yeah, account. Yeah. But everything in their last dozen tweets and their Twitter bio and their Twitter name and their image and their header implies that they are a legitimate news organisation. What if you've now, got, like, really, really bad anxiety and yeah. you're not that familiar with games and someone you follow retweeted some of that shit? Like, I mean, I'm laughing at how boneheaded it is, but Activision it is quite... have always been mm. great proponents of the idea that there's no such thing as bad press. I mean, oh, how many huge, Call of Duty's yeah. games have deliberately had hugely controversial things in them just to stir up shit? Like, True. Well, but yeah, this but... is, I mean, this is... This seems more like just a fucking boneheaded move than, than just, anything else. Like, ignoring the fact that they are breaking all of the Twitter verified account rules that are there specifically to stop fuckers doing shit like yeah. this. Let's say hypothetically, my mum has a Twitter account. She follows me on Twitter. She does not know that Call of Duty is a thing. I retweet the Call of Duty Twitter account's promotional tweets about, ha ha, uh, it's funny you're implying a, a Singapore terrorist attack happened. She sees those, she's got friends in Singapore, and she suddenly thinks, fuck, I better find out if my Singapore friends are dead or not. Yeah, That's it's, just a shitty thing to do yeah. as a PR stunt. It's like, I'm laughing at, at how dumb it is, um, and I know some people are saying, like, oh, people are overreacting to this shit, but it really, when you really think about what it could imply, and how, especially, and about how, imp, about how viral marketing can um, affect people. I mean, let's mm. not forget, like, in the Victorian, well, no, not Victorian. That's way, that's <laughs> Are you way talking too... about War of the Worlds? I was talking about War of the Worlds, but I don't know why I said <laughs> Victoria. Uh, but when the, when radio happened a long, long time ago, but before the after Victorian times, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But but when they did the War of the Worlds broadcast and they made it like a real broadcast mm. of. Um, uh, and and talked very seriously about this this alien spacecraft that had landed. People believed it because it was done so seriously, and it was it had such an effect on people's minds that they swore they could smell the black smoke that they were talking about that even, was infiltrating even, London. Even outside of that shit, it's just really bloody distasteful to try and start a viral marketing campaign on the back of, hey, some people will see this and they will retweet it because they think a terrorist attack has happened. We will prey on people's desire to spread the word of a terrorist attack in order to get more publicity for our video yeah, game. It was, it was that's, really that's just a shitty thing to it was, do. It was, it was... I mean, I'm yeah. a big fan of viral marketing type stuff. Like, I love seeing a good... I like seeing a good fake Twitter account for like a mm. video game character or, or something like that. Um, but usually they're very grounded in the fact mm. that it's clear this is existing in another world. This is another universe. This is a fake character. Well, it's like I wrote about this this morning and I had people tweeting me back being like, well, how is this any different to The Onion? That tweet's fake news. And I'm like, yes, but first of all, it's The Bloody Onion. It is an it is an organization that everyone is aware of at this point. They are a parody news site. Even outside of that, 
Their headlines, if you look at them with no further context, usually imply that it is not a real headline, if you stop and think about it for a second. Beyond that, there is a link to a piece of satire that, as you read it, will explain to you this is not a real news story, yeah, this like, is satire. There is context rather than just breaking news, a bomb went off in they're Singapore. They're not trying to trick... The Onion doesn't try and deceive people. The moment you see the picture associated with it, the Photoshop associated with it, the moment you read the ridiculous headline, like, mm-hmm. like from the outset, it becomes clear to anybody with, with a, an ability to think that The Onion is a satirical uh, publication, yeah. and, and they're not and even, trying to make you think otherwise. And even, even then, even if you are one of the idiots that fall for it, it's never anything that's going to pose harm to others if you mistakenly believe it to be true. If you mistakenly believe a terrorist attack has happened, dangerous things can happen as a result. Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially given the climate, you know? That, yeah, that's another thing, is the context of it. Is, uh, it's like, know, hey, usually we're in, the Onion's stuff, yeah. for the most part, is pretty damn, like, like, exists in its own... I mean, it uses current events, but... They're isolated in their ridiculousness. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's not saying, ha ha ha, isn't it funny that we tricked you into thinking a terrorist attack happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's something over the top and ludicrous. Mm. Um, obviously, Poe's law can dampen that a little bit, but for the most part, they're damn good at what they do because they're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. They're not, they never present themselves as a real news outlet. Um, yeah. Some satire sites that try and copy The Onion make that mistake, and they try mm. and make themselves look legit, and that's where they fail, uh, and that's where this failed because it tried, it, it it basically tried to trick people. There's no other way of doing yeah. it. like like how it's, else, yeah. how how else can you explain what they tried to do? Because you look th- you look through trouble. it, and the first reference to it being a Call of Duty thing in the tweets itself is four maybe five tweets in. They mention a corporation that if you know. Call of Duty Black Ops 3 well enough and are well aware like and are well versed in the lore, you'll be like, oh, that's a corporation that appears in Black Ops 3. Oh, this is a story about Black Ops 3. Yeah, like, like it's a very big di- gulf of a difference between mm. what they're doing and what you could do with something like Deus Ex when you're talking about, you know, the mechanical apartheid or, you know, and all that marketing. Yeah, shit. which is like, hey, that's a thing that like isn't grounded in reality and no yeah. one's going to accidentally think a mechanical apartheid is happening right now. Yeah, like you can. There, there's a big difference between the thing. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't even have to explain the difference, but obviously oh, there are God. there are some people that will jump to the defense of a video game corporation no matter what you fucking criticize. Yeah. and they're so so desperate to point out how sensitive everyone is by being overly sensitive themselves to any criticism of the <gasps> mighty G- game Jim, industry. Jim, Jim, are you suggesting that being overly sensitive to people being overly sensitive? Does not cancel itself out. That's still being overly sensitive and being the thing that they're. The, 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 the hypocrisy! <laughs> I'm down that rabbit hole! Ah! I need to get out! Uh, but, I but am anyway, falling the through the is, infinite mirrors. <laughs> the point is, is that you can say that, well, you know, no one it, no one really got hurt and uh, it, it, people shouldn't take speech That so we know tight. of. Yeah, that we know of. Uh, I mean, someone in so Singapore uptight. might have locked themselves away in a bunker, you know? Well, they might still even, be down there. <laughs> eating eating, eating get hurt, baked beans. It's still- yeah. Even if no one got hurt by it, it's still a shitty thing. Like, why would you think that's it was a smart potentially, move? It was potentially... Because it's harmful. Activision, mm. and we're talking about it, and that's what they want. It's fine. We were already talking about how shitty their their pricing valuation yeah. of the you know, last-gen campaigns were, so we might as well talk yeah. about how shitty their other things are. Because Call of Duty, I just think, well, being it's, shitty. It's good that it happened, because, you know, we were talking about Call of Duty in a positive way, and people don't like that. <laughs> 
So ah, we, we, were almost we had being to positive. do some shitting on them to, to make sure people up. didn't shit on us. Honestly, I can never keep track of, of which Call of Duty games you're supposed to like and which ones you're supposed to hate. I make the mistake of using my own opinion, and that always gets me in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to go with the popular I opinion. can tell God. you which ones, right? Everyone's supposed to like Call of Duty 4, because that right, was the best. Okay. The, the original one that really made it huge. Yeah. Uh, Modern Warfare 2, everyone liked, but it drove everyone crazy because it was broken. Black mm -hmm. Ops 1, everyone kind of liked. And since then, there's been a downward curve with Black Ops 2 being the exception that people still kind of like that one. The right. others okay. have not been very popular. Because I feel, I feel like Advanced Warfare, because mm. um, I didn't like that one at all. But I It feel had some like good ideas. I feel like people did like that one, and therefore mm. I am objectively, scientifically wrong for not liking Advanced the, Warfare. The community didn't like it at all. It was the dead within. Like okay. the, I, I think Black Ops 2, having played, or 3 rather, having played a bit of the beta, it, get, it nails that balance between the kind of Titanfall-esque wall running and stuff and the normal Call of Duty fast mm. pace. I hope so. I'd like I think it's going to be a good one. It's just if they just fix that fucking lag, but they just they need to fix the hit detection. They need to bring the hit detection back to the way it was in Call of Duty Four and Modern Warfare Two, because it this isn't to do with netcode. I don't know what it, I don't know why, but ever since Black Ops One, the 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 lag in Call of Duty has been fucking terrible. So they need they really just I think that's what they need to focus on. Give it like dedicated servers or something. Um, what else happened this week? Uh, what else did happen this week? Oh, more things that, like, to be shouty about. Um, you know how PT sounded like it was going to be a pretty good video game and was looking pretty promising? Oh, I know this because I, I talked about this uh, at the end of Gymquisition this week I thought as well. PT was just, yeah. like, a, a self-contained trailer for Silent Hills. Or... Okay, well, Silent Hills was looking like it was going to be a pretty good video game because of PT. There we go. Okay. Uh, you know who uh, who would have been working on Silent Hills as well as Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima? I do, but for the listeners, perhaps you well, could Well, for the eliminate. listeners, yeah, yeah. For the listeners, there is a very, 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 very well-known and critically acclaimed manga author in Japan called Junji Ito, who is very good at doing horror manga that is all about creepy, deformed, mutated bodies that freak people the fuck his, out. His shit is fucked. Oh. Yeah, you, you want to see some bodies that are just like, that is fucked to try and wrap my head around? Junji Ito is the guy for that. Yeah, he's like, like I mean, he, he makes H.R. Geiger look almost conservative. <laughs> exactly, and we found out this week just from, like, no context for it, just Guillermo del Toro tweets out, would have been really great to, to have worked on Silent Hills because Junji Ito was working on it with us. Yeah, he was, he was, was a great guy. Well. To, he was here. He was a great guy to work with. Just, and just to remind you like, of what you're not getting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Can you, you, can you imagine this guy working with Miyazaki? Holy shit. That would bring some amazing results. I'm sure it would, but it, it equally would have had good results. Like, I liked PT. I'd like to see Junji Ito join the team that was working on the game that was also the PT game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like <laughs> I said, I, I find it difficult to be too pissed just because I honestly just want Kojima to finally get this thing with Konami done so he can cut ties so that he, mm. Del Toro, and Ito can all get on fucking Kickstarter and we can all just give them the money that <laughs> Konami clearly wasn't willing to give yeah. them. But this is exactly the thing. It's like, I don't care how they do it. I'm just looking, being like, 
this would have been even more of the dream project than we thought it was the dream project. Yes, we will throw money at you guys to make the project. You need $20 million? Fine, we'll give you $20 million. I we'll do it. They could, I, they could easily get that. I think they could... I honestly think they could, like, kick the shit out of Shenmue 3's Kickstarter. Yeah. I think if you have all four of those names prominently at the top, where it's like, here is an actor who's good, and here is a video game person who's good, and here is a film person who is good, and here is a manga person who is good. You played PT and liked that? Throw money at us to make the full game. Yeah. People would do it. Yeah, like, like we, we'll be a much better publisher than... Konami. <laughs> yeah, we we won't, you know. Damn, this guy's we work won't, we is won't fucked up. Be fucking. Yeah, are you looking at Jinji Ito's yeah, manga? Because it is it's, fucked up, right? It's so it's very cool. It's though. Can you see why he would have been fucking awesome to have on this project? Absolutely, yeah. Like this, this is going to be the project that I suspect for the next year we are going to get periodic updates of. Yeah, this cool person was also working on it. Sorry. Yeah, it's like Jim Bowen at the end of Bullseye. Just here's what you could have won. 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 I can't do a good Jimbo and Here's what you could have won. He's got this one picture here of like this dude with his eyeballs melting. And it's like, this is a visual representation of when you play Destiny for six hours in a row. Oh, God. I actually played Destiny this week. Why? I bought the Taken King. Why? Funny. Do you want to talk about why you played Destiny, Gav, and then I'll talk about why I did? Um, why? <laughs> because it's what? so goddamn popular, and I, I was trying to... I want to understand. I wanted to understand. So racism, and, Gavin! And likewise... <laughs> <laughs> likewise, it's my job to play the popular stuff. Well, racism and if is it's, your job. And if it's enjoyable, I have to make a song about it. But... Actually, surprisingly, the campaign in The Taken King, I liked it a lot more than the standard Destiny campaign. There were actually, like, there was actually a story-ish in it. And some of the levels and some of the um, the moments were kind of cool. Like, the, the missions felt... You could remember which one was which, which I couldn't do with the rest of Destiny. It all felt yeah. like just endless shooting. Yeah, so, yeah, I, it's I not played... bad. Yeah, I played some Destiny as well this week because uh, I kind of alluded to this last week, but a lot of people have been asking me to play The Taken King because, you know, there is a plot point that I will get to in a minute that is of a lot of interest to a lot of people and as such people asked my opinion on it. So I played Destiny when it first came out and I played probably eight or nine hours and I was like, okay, I get the appeal of this. I see the, the appeal of the combat loop. It's not for me. I don't want to... Gr- like, I will grind in a JRPG. I don't want to grind in a first-person shooter particularly. Like, particularly an online one. It's just not for me. Yeah. This isn't my game. And I'm going to talk about a bit of plot for Destiny the Taken King. Don't worry. It's not actually in the game. This is the important thing. This is a piece of lore that exists on the Bungie website. Oh, they're that still is doing re- that shit, are they? Yeah, they're still doing that shit. I, I hate will get that. To it. So, Put it in the yeah. fucking game. So, so, if you don't want spoilers for the Book of Sorrows, which is an unlockable set of text logs on the Destiny website, then you might want to skip ahead a few minutes. Otherwise, you probably don't care about that shit, otherwise you'd have read it already if you're a Destiny fan. Um, a load of people were saying, go play the Taken King, because the character of the Taken King is transgender. And I was like, oh, this is a thing that people always expect me to have opinions on. I'll go back in and play the Taken King. I played through the Taken King's campaign and was like, wait a second, 
I didn't see any reference to the Taken King being transgender. Twitter, where was this information in the game? Turns out, not in the fucking game whatsoever. You can unlock a series of text logs that unlock a pretty much a full-length novel online that if you unlock all of the pieces so that you can read the full story, it's like, oh, there were three sisters in this race who um, symbiotically fused with magic space worms to become immortal. And when one of the three sisters got the magic space worm, which was called, like, the uh, the king something or other, it's like, hey, what would you like your name to be now? It's like, hey, I'm going to pick a male name now and I'm going to start going by male pronouns. And thus, a female designated a birth character is, went and switched to using male pronouns and a male name. And that's really bloody interesting because this is the first AAA video game to be named after a transgender character. That should have been bloody huge. And it isn't, because nobody bloody knows that's a thing in Destiny, because it's hidden in the off-site text logs. Because fuck Destiny the Taken King, had a chance to be interesting, and fuck Destiny. They say there's not enough visibility. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's hard... Because I, I saw some people <laughs> making a big deal about it, but like, it's hardly Dragon Age Inquisition, is it? Like, it's... Exactly. This is not Krem in Dragon Age Inquisition, who within ten minutes you're told, like, oh yeah, they're trans. Like, this... Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so torn on how I feel about this, because on the one hand, the Taken King, Oryx, he is a fantastic trans character, because the fact he's trans is never a plot point, and that is fantastic, and we need more of that, and he's in a titular role in a in a video game, and the video game is named after this trans character. That's amazing. But on the other side... They hid that fact out of the game so that no one would get pissed off with it because it's like, oh, well, all the all the dude bros that are going to play this game, they don't want to know about about person being trans. We'll put it on a website. I want to see it. And fuck Destiny. Like, people who play huge amounts of Destiny don't bloody know that that's a thing because it's hidden away on Bungie's website. And to be fair, I don't know anything about Destiny's story because it's yeah. all hidden on the website. Exactly. Put the I interesting story who, in the bloody game. I don't even know who Aryx or Crota or fucking you know, anyone in the game is. And I don't this know why... Who problem. the fuck is the speaker? He's and just some like, dude who sits in a tower having, and, like, having read every uh, now and again. Like, having read all of the text logs for Destiny, my takeaway was, there is a fantastic, fascinating, in-depth, detailed story in Destiny. It's just all on Bungie's fucking website. I mean, what, I, like, what I the story of Destiny is battle, amazing. But I the story <laughs> in Destiny is amazing. Just put it in the bloody game. What gets me about this is that Bungie right now have the power, more than perhaps any other game, to have actually made this a big deal. They, they hmm. have the power to have had a, a prominent trans character and say, uh, you know, make a song and dance about how they've got an expansion named after, as you say, uh, yeah. uh, this, this character. Um, because... They, why would they, they? They've got no reason to be scared of upsetting any quote unquote dude bros. No reason to turn their audience away because after the amount of sheer abuse that audience has put up with <laughs> in in the year plus since the game's been out, they could do anything and still make money off well, that this fucking is, thing. This is why it feels so bloody like I don't fucking understand. Why would you do this? Like, why would you make that a plot point? And then hide it away. Yeah, at this point, like, I mean, and I'm not going to straight up accuse uh, Destiny of this just because all of the rest of the story is hidden away as well. (laughs) But in other games as well, like, in certain games, I don't get the cowardice of 
trying to avoid these issues, trying to play them mm. down, trying to hide them, when it's been proven time and time again, you can outright kick a gamer in the genitals and they'll still throw money at you. So just... just That's what I don't just get don't, with don't Destiny. Don't worry about being progressive just, if you, you want to be. Just do You it. look at videos of Destiny, you look at trailers, you look at everything, even my song about Destiny, and the vast majority of the comments are, fuck Destiny. And the vast amount of <laughs> comments are, fuck this game, it's bullshit, it's so, well, bu- you know, it's boring, it's greedy. And then it's the most fucking played game in the world. Yeah, this is the thing. <laughs> How, like, where, I get why, who are these people who are playing it if everyone hates it? I get why people like it. It's not for me. And I was happy to just be like, I don't, like, I get it, it's not for me. Until now, where I'm like, you know, actively fuck you. You could have had a game that I, like... I played Destiny after deciding I didn't want to play Destiny because it wasn't for me because I was told you had interesting lore. Your interesting lore's not in the bloody game. I could have looked up a wiki where there's a copy-paste bin of the Books of Sorrow, not had to play the game, and got all the same interesting lore by reading these books of like, oh, this is an interesting story unconnected to a video game. Ah." I mean, that's another issue uh, entirely. Like, I, I... uh, Killzone has that same problem. Like I love Killzone's universe, uh, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Killzone games. Uh, but so much of the the really good story is the same way. It's like unless yeah. you're looking at a website, you don't know half the yeah. interesting well, shit. As as much as I complain about Metal Gear Solid Five having most of its story told through like through the cassette tapes. At least you can listen to the cassette tapes while you're doing the gameplay. Yeah, if it was I could bullshit, listen... but it was available in game. Yeah, it's bullshit, but it's less bullshit than this. Because I would probably right now still be playing Destiny if I could listen to the Books of Sorrow while I play through raids. Yeah. If I could do that, and if everyone could do that... Or even while you were like, farting <sighs> around on the tower or during the loading screens, yes. those endless fucking loading screens. Exactly. If that was an option, more people would probably know about the genuinely fantastic like, story you, you've written can, that's not in the bloody game. Can you guys imagine what a difference it would make to the game on so many levels? Because you know those loading screens, they're still like up to 40 seconds long and it's ridiculous. And if, if surely it would be really easy to just add in text from the story into those loading screens instead of staring yes, at staring would. at a goddamn ship <laughs> yeah and uh, i i think i've got all of the venting i can get out for now mm. um go read polygon at the end of this week because i'm gonna have a feature about this because i've got feelings to get <laughs> oh out. god on polygon too you are gonna boil so much piss Laura, polygon have already been entertaining enough this week i can't wait to see yeah. what, I, what you... I am such a social justice warrior because this week i have written about could video games potentially benefit from trigger warnings more than other mediums? Oh, also I'm going to write about Destiny and trans stuff on Polygon. Oh, look at me. I'm going to boil so much piss. <sighs> my, my, my heart will be with you this week yeah. as, this as you are in the bomb shelter. This is why I like Patreon, because generally my Patreon audience is actually all right with me writing this kind of wonderful hate bringing bullshit and i think that's that's it, it you get the the boldness yeah. from that like it's there's because you know no matter what whether you do a, a review someone disagrees with or you say things people don't like like they always want to go to an editor to get you fired that's always their first move and it's like they can't even they can't do that anymore they've got to do like that guy at the beginning of the show did and just hope the government investigates you one well, it's day like, I'm a Patreon person and a freelancer, so who are you going to complain to? Either me as my own boss, 
Or you're going to be like, fire Laura. Well, she didn't technically work for us. She was just a freelancer that did a one-off piece. And it's like, no, fire her! I know what they could do. What? They could tell Gavin. They could <laughs> tell Gavin to tell us off. Gavin, 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 I didn't like that thing that Jim said. Can you tell him that he's wrong, please? Because he doesn't read his, his Twitter at. Thank so, you. So let me address this on the podcast. If you don't agree with Jim's or Laura's or Total Biscuits or anyone I know, if you don't like their opinions and don't agree with them, shouting at me on Twitter to try and convince them to change their mind is an absolute waste of your time and energy because I don't care. <laughs> Gavin yeah. does not pass these messages I am not on. Jim's father. I am not his authority figure. I'm not his teacher. I'm not his boss. It's not up to me to change his mind on things, especially when the thing in question this week that people were shouting at was something I agree with him on. Well, yeah, I saw all the people that were shouting at you to be like, make Jim change his mind about quiet. It's like, did you not listen to the podcast yeah. in which all three of us said, yeah, we but all I think agree as well, that the quiet really thing's kind of bullshit? People really overestimate as well how bothered. Like, I'm like, yeah, I think the outfit is fucking stupid. I'm like, oh, you want to censor video games? No, it's I just like, thought her outfit like, was fucking stupid. I still think it's one of my games of the year, even if her outfit is stupid and the reasoning yeah. for her having that outfit is ludicrous. Mm. I was much more pissed off about the fucking way they handled chapter two, actually, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but let's it was, turn it was the probably my argument. game of the year until I got to chapter two. Let's turn the argument on its head, though, because by... Getting on Gavin to try and get him to pressure me into changing my opinion. You're censoring me as a content maker at that point. You're <laughs> using your logic. Jim, Jim, You're trying Jim, to censor Jim, me. Jim, Do you know what really it's, fucking pisses me off, It's different though, Jim. Jim, though? that's not the same. This, that's not this, the same, Jim. It's, it's hard to make me really angry, but what really <laughs> makes me angry is when they put your ass at the end of their tweet so that all their fucking followers see it. It really pisses me off. Yeah, that's... I never do that, and I, it really pisses me off when people do that. This is why I don't mm. have my general Twitter replies open because mm. I don't yeah. need I don't need to see any of that just bullshit. Now, this, like I'll this... see, mm. you know, if you really want to get hold of me, there you know how to get hold of me yeah. by now. I've got, um, you know. I've got a PO box. I've got an email address. I've got uh, an Ask FM. Um, if you want to put that much effort in to get to me, I might still, you know, if you're if you go on my Ask FM, for example, and say things like and genuinely mean it, why can't you change? <laughs> uh, which is something I got from someone recently after weeks of them trying to. Um, convince me why I should change my opinion on everything. Um, you know, I'll probably still laugh at you, uh, but but you're wasting your time on... You, I mean, generally, you're wasting your time on Twitter anyway, trying mm. to affect anybody. Because mm. ain't no one fucking listening to you. Ain't no it one changing And it depends on the topic as well. Like, Laura, you were saying about trigger warnings, and that's a topic for me that I don't really know how I feel about and prefer mm. most of the time just to listen because... Yeah. I see pros and cons to it, do you know? So I'll, that is, I'll definitely that is be totally reading your, your article yeah. on that. Yeah, that is I mean, totally I find fine. That would, like, yeah. that would be helpful for a lot, um, a lot, especially people in, in uh, you're in my position, Gavin, where we have, and I'm going to say the word that might upset some of you, so here's a content warning from me <laughs> to you people. Uh, us more privileged people, I said the word, you can <gasps> put your fingers out your ears now. You can't talk about privilege, yeah, no. Um, 
you know, half the time I think problems would be solved if, if we did just sort of shut our own fucking mouths and listen to people who are more <laughs> affected by that kind of thing. Um, so that is that is something I definitely try and do. a lot, Especially a lot more these days as I've changed the way I use Twitter. It's a lot better. Mm. Uh, I, f- yeah. I find I'm a lot more useful signal boosting and retweeting than trying yeah. to have my own opinions about mm. things that maybe I shouldn't be uh, uh, yammering on about. Now, this all being said, on the positives, if you ever want to get in touch with Jim because you made him a nice piece of fan art or something, if you message me, I'll usually forward them on to Jim. So, stuff that you want to get to Jim that isn't, hey, change Jim's mind for me, Mm. I'll usually pass those messages on, because, you know, I can do that, because I'm still... Don't write shit like, um, do you defend what Jim said, and then put the at of my of our name at the end of the tweet so that five of your other followers go oh nah, nah, at me as well just no that's yeah, rude it's obnoxious Gavin, and rude at, at Gavin point, doesn't give a fuck and he yeah. won't yeah. endear you to him and I won't see it and yeah. I'll probably be too busy actually playing some video half the time when people send me their diatribes I'm mm. playing video games and I'm having a great time so <laughs> like, I, I still read every tweet that comes through my Twitter account and the reason I'm able to do that and, you know, is because at the moment it's still mostly not people telling me to change Jim's opinion. <laughs> if it becomes mostly people telling me to change Jim's opinion, I might have to stop there doing was, that. There was a period last year where my Twitter feed was literally just abuse about being friends with Total Biscuit. And I was just like, you know, this isn't going to change the way he thinks, even if I was his dad and did say, oh, I don't think you're right about this, you know. And what people don't realise is a lot of the time friends do talk privately and they do disagree with each other. But, you know, we're not going to have a big barmy on fucking social media, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've said this about a few things, um, a few instances where, you know what? Like, like the moment you make a request of me that is basically you trying to get me to fight with someone in public for the enjoyment of you and your peanut gallery, like, you will get no quarter from me. I'm I'm not doing that. Uh, any anything like that, especially if it comes to people who I'm friends with, uh, be it Total Biscuit or Lee Alexander or who the fuck ever else, right? I'm that stuff is not for your entertainment. Exactly. If those conversations are going to happen, they happen privately behind closed doors. Yeah. Because, like, that's, you know, w- when you go away from Twitter and have at length to discuss these things, that's where actual conversations happen. Yeah. Right? Like, like, can you two shout at each other on Twitter? <laughs> and yeah, like, hell, and, we don't and especially Twitter. Like, we don't even always agree mm? with each other on the podcast. You know, no, that's, no. that's healthy. Um, we don't always agree with each other. Mass Effect is the best ending of any video game ever, Gavin. <laughs> oh God, Thank please, you. No. I can't, um, I can't handle only, it. It's second only to Metal Gear 5. Um, so anyway, should we get back to video games? Because yeah. we kind of veered a long way off video games. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're doing, <laughs> so, we, hey, we keep hey, dipping hey, into speaking of video games, okay, yeah, Soma, I played more into it. And mm. while the story and everything remained wonderful, the monster bits really fucking started to wear me out by the end. Yeah, I was me, so yeah. tired talking of about this on Me and Laura Twitter were chatting about this. Somewhere. We were, tw- we were chatting somewhere about it. Yeah. That, like, it would be good... If you could maybe tone down those monsters so you could keep enjoying the game, mm. is uh, yeah, that basically that in, what you said? I said that. In um, my that's what you well. said, and I was like, I I agree to a certain extent, but then I suppose there would be negatives to that as well, in that you're mm. taking gameplay away from what the developer intended you to play. But at yeah. the same time, personally, if, I would have loved if the last yeah. like two monsters in that game just weren't fucking there. 
Exactly. Like you were enjoying it, and then you stopped enjoying yeah. it. Because they they stop being scary, good. and they just slow you down. Then and you're they just like, become Ugh. irritations. Yeah. I think there's something. Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to formulate was, my thoughts on it, but it Jim, started you, with me. Sorry, you you mentioned the camera effects. There was one time. This is when the game stopped being scary for me. I got hit by the monster once. And then my camera was all like jaggedy and fucking going. And I basically just ran up to the monster and let it kill me so that I could start again with a fresh camera. (laughs) It's preferable. I was like, this is is where the game design is flawed because that that is not being scary. That's inconveniencing the player. Yeah, like you don't want to be scared of having your fun reduced. You Mm. want to be scared because you're... Because the environment is doing that to you. Um, but I feel like with some of that stuff, um, with, with Soma, it's a fine example of something I've been trying to put into words for a while, possibly for a Jimquisition topic. It's something I noticed when I was playing uh, Indigo Prophecy slash Fahrenheit, um, yeah. where there are gameplay segments thrown in, almost as tokenistic gameplay segments, yeah. out of this insecurity that you're not being video games enough. Mm. Um, which is not helped, of course, by some attitudes from um, from some from some pundits and some gamers who who uh, will criticise a thing for not being video games enough. Um, mm. But I feel like Soma is one of those things where some of the monsters do feel obligatory, like they're there yeah. because the developer felt they had to be there. There had to be this combative element. They, they don't Whereas want to be it, accused of being a walking simulator, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's it like, did feel I, like that. And it would have been, if it was a walking simulator, it would have been the best walking simulator ever. And it's still one of the best horror games I've ever played. It's still amazing, just... Oh, yeah, yeah. it is fantastic. The pacing suffers, I I feel, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Uh, they could have toned it down. It could have been a bit closer to... And I say this as someone who obviously was uh, very critical of everybody who's gone to the rapture recently, to the chagrin of some people. But (laughs) I feel like this is one of those games where uh, a little less horror and a little more walkie-talkie would have actually made the game a better experience. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Um, Because the game did have a lot of elements that were gamey outside of that. Like it had the little puzzles and the connecting computers together. It just just also had elements that kept you away from those bits. Yeah. And, you know, um, one or two monsters would have been brilliant because the, then you would have been terrified. Like, the first yes, time yeah. the mon- I saw one of the creatures, I was I was scared shitless. But then, like, the fifth or sixth time, I was just like, oh, come on. Yeah, for me, the bit I didn't like was, was one of the middle bits when it basically became, for a, a temporary moment, kind of kind of like a, a cybernetic Slender Man. And it's yeah. like, I don't, I, I don't oh, need yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I don't need this. The bit in the I don't ship. need this. I can't yeah. look at the dude yeah. because it's impossible mm. to see. The one that got me was the, the one that listens to you. And it was like a computer you had to reboot. But the, the I found the signposting really bad on what you were supposed to be doing. Because when you finished doing what you were supposed to be doing, the computer still said error on it. So I was like, I shit, I've done that. something that wrong here. I, I think for me the biggest problem was just oversaturation. Like mm. the the more often that the the creatures and monsters and horrible things are put in your face, mm. the more you know what they are and the less that the sort of just horror element mm. of I don't know what this is or how to deal with it just fades away very quickly. The familiar yeah. you become yeah, you become too familiar. You only you only see Pyramid had three times in twenty hours. And exactly. the, and the first time you don't interact with them. Yeah. That is perfect, actually, as an explanation. Um, so what else was there this week? Um, Jim, are you allowed to talk about Thoughts on Rock Band 4 in any way, shape, or form? Um, let me just check. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know if there's a preview thing. No Miracle of Sound song, zero out of ten. Because <laughs> I played it at an event, and I'm trying to work out if there's any kind of phrasing wrangling we could use to be like, well, obviously talking about the uh, the the you know the the version at events or such. I don't know. Yeah, because because my my build is is official final final. I've got to keep my mouth shut while you talk about okay. this. Okay. Um, I'm going to sum up my thoughts on Rock Band 4 very quickly. I played it at EGX this past weekend. Um, Rock Band 4 feels an awful lot like more Rock Band, for better and for worse. Do you like the set list on Rock Band 4? Then that is probably your review of Rock Band 4, because it's Rock Band. But, but like, Laura, did it have a section on Filipino politics? I think that's the question we all want <laughs> it, to know. <laughs> it, it did not, 0 out of 10. Um... There was apparently some new stuff going on with the vocals and how the vocals are registered that's more accurate. I was playing in a crowded convention centre. There's no way I could bloody tell whether that was the case does it or not. Gra- does it grade you on whether you're in tune? Apparently, rather than being based on pitch now, it also registers if you're in key. And I don't know what? if that's accurate or not. That's... I- I don't think there's a difference. Is there a difference between those two? Uh, I, I suppose I, I, I suppose being in key this. would lead me to believe that it would let you do a little bit more improvisation. Possibly. I don't yeah. know. It's, it, well, if you're no, in key, you're, yeah. you're definitely going to have to still pitch properly. <laughs> yes. It, it's very strange. Apparently they are measuring something different this time. Yeah. I saw none of that when playing it on a stage in a crowded convention center. Yeah. Um, the guitar songs, there are some sections that come up where you can just like and you can do a solo in the song where you tap the keys. Mm. It generally feels like a, a lot like more rock band. On the other side, I played Guitar Hero Live. That feels really different. Um, so they've kind of changed up the guitar layout. So it's two rows of three keys rather than one row of five. And because of this, it's sort of the idea being that you have to do something slightly more akin to guitar fingerings rather than just, like, move your hand up and down a straight, a straight set. Mm. It definitely felt more challenging. Like, I am I know that it's still nothing like actually playing guitar, but it, it felt more like having to think about, like, hand placements during the song, which was, you mm. know, that felt good. I found, I, f- I found actually playing guitar makes it harder to play rock band. Yeah, well, it's like the the layout for the note tracks was pretty well thought out. You've got three tracks of notes, and rather than circular things coming down the track, you've now got a pick that's either white and facing up for the top row, or black and facing down for the bottom row of keys. Oh. I like the sound In- of that because yeah. I never my my problem with the five key thing is I can never do the fifth key. I yeah, can never hit that fifth this, key. My this hands does just not, can't yeah. coordinate. Exactly, and this doesn't require you to move your hand. It's just moving your fingers, but your three fingers back and forth in different positions. It's a different challenge, but it definitely felt in my sort of four or five songs with it like a much more manageable challenge for me. Mm. So that's that's a positive. Yeah, using your pinky is hard on real guitar as well. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing that came up that um, I think is really sort of the big thing that makes Guitar Hero Live feel very different is the full motion video stuff they're doing with uh, during the songs actually works really bloody well. Um, like, I can tell logically where the cuts between shots probably are. I can't see them for love nor money, yeah. which is really good. So the whole idea is, as like, you're playing first person from the view of the guitarist on stage in front of this huge crowd, and 
you sort of look between the various band members and down at the audience as you're playing and as you do better or worse the everyone reacts to that um if you're doing well everything feels fucking awesome like the the show's going great you're in sync with everyone the audience is like jumping and like cheering in in like time with the music and everything's amazing it's really wonderful how much of a difference having actual human faces as opposed to CGI. God, Lord, that makes. sounds like, like it would give me a fucking existential crisis of well, like yeah. <laughs> PTSD of bad that's gigs. Where I'm, <laughs> that's where I'm about to get to. Is the bad gigs thing is fucking terrifying. Yeah, it, like it, yeah. when you're having a bad gig, um, it starts off with like looks of slight confusion and like disappointment from the audience that it's just like slight oh confusion my. over what's going on <laughs> then it builds into you start looking at like yeah you look at the drummer and the drummer's like uh, like questioning like the fuck's going on and as you're doing worse <laughs> and worse like the, the the audience start like looking less confused and more like upset and then angry and you like that i was do- I, like i was doing so badly on one of the songs that like i got to the point that like i looked back at i looked at the singer and he's like motioning for someone to pull me off stage i look at the drummer and like her mascara bottle, is running down her Dutch face gold and she flies up and hits yeah. you in the head the the, uh, the drummer's mascara is running down her face and it looks like she's mouthing what the fuck at you you look at the audience and they're just like They've, they've like, hastily scribbled signs on napkins to be like, fuck you at you. Oh, my God. And this is like, oh, God. I couldn't play through the end of the song. I was doing that badly. I was like, I can't go any further. I have to quit. That sounds like actual dreams I've had. Like, nightmares. (laughs) This is is wonderful. Like, when you're doing well in Guitar Hero Live, it feels fucking awesome. Like, that that is a real actual... My God, you feel like you're screwing up. That is a real actual nightmare that I've had many times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like that, you, you can screw your horror games. This sounds terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So here's my like experience, having played maybe five tracks of each. Um, rock Band Four is more Rock Band. Look at the set list. Guitar Hero Live. Um, the new new guitar layout is really interesting and well thought out. But be aware that you're going to have some emotional highs and lows if you play this one. <laughs> it it feels very new. Yeah. I'm really excited to try it. I've got to say, yeah. like it's it's had my interest for a while. Um, ha- the, the idea seems goofy, but if if they pull it off, especially if the way you're describing it, yeah. it could be awesome. The the five tracks or so I played, um, I was playing in a private area off the show floor. It really felt like the kind of thing that I need to revitalize my interest in music rhythm games. Mm-hmm. In that, like, I I have an invested library in Rock Band. That if I played Rock Band 4 on PS4, I'd have that whole library. That being said, I'm still more excited about Guitar Hero Live than I am about Rock Band 4. And that says quite a lot, I think. Mm. So, there we go. I was already, like, intrigued as hell, but the things you've been saying about it, because I saw you um, tweeting about it as well, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty damn sold on... Yeah, the, at least the concept, and I can't wait to mm. to try it myself. Yeah, by the time that this podcast goes up, there should be on Destructoid a write up I've done. So on basically, my rock band with it, is going to make yeah. young people want to join a band. Guitar Hero Live is going to make people never well, want to join a band. <laughs> yeah, Guitar Hero Live is going to make you want to join a band for about five minutes, and then show mm. you why you never want to join a band. <laughs> so yeah, you've both, you, like really, we've all done yeah. stuff in front of live audiences. We know how fucking terrifying it is if if oh, you have any inkling that it's starting to go wrong and you're starting to lose the audience it is terrifying yeah any like i i remember still the first time i did a talk in front of a crowd and it was a half hour talk 
I don't remember that half hour talk. I remember yeah. starting talking. I remember having a sense that it wasn't going well about two minutes in. And the next thing I know <laughs> is when the talk's over. Because just like, it's... My my mind was just like, nope, we're blocking this out. Fuck this. I, 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 every now and then I convince great. myself I want to, but deep down I never want to try stand-up comedy again. <laughs> It's, it's oh yeah, so I can't scary. even imagine. Stand-up how scary comedy that feels like be. the absolute worst thing. Like yeah, music, music's really one thing, much, but, but stand-up like is so much harder. I would imagine to keep an audience. I had yeah. like maybe two gigs as a solo. I did a couple of things um, with another person, um, but as a solo, I did like two, and I think two was enough. I, I do <laughs> miss doing live comedy because I used to do it a lot. Um, but the the gigs I did one in a pub once as part of a music night. The comedy element was no one was there for it. I don't know <laughs> how I ended up on that billing. Um, the, the bands who were playing, the bands who were playing, like found it fun. Like like they were having a laugh. Um, <laughs> I mean, considering one of them was a punk band called Scrotum Clamp, uh, I was playing to the right audience. So. Scrotum Clamp. Scrotum Clamp. Um, that was that was a gig I once did with with them. Uh, they loved the set. Um, the rest of the people in this pub in Penge uh, were not so. I mean, I got some laughs. Uh, my friend Leo was there. He loved it, um, but I think I'm more confused to them than amused them. Uh, so like, when when is the bit where you sing, Jim? Where is yeah. the bit where you sing? It's it's terrifying. It's it's mm-hmm. it's basically like like I've, I've I've thought this before. Like any kind of comedy performance, mm-hmm. um, and and possibly somewhat true in in you know doing Jimquisition live and and some of the live panels I've done uh, is is basically a fight between you and the audience. Because they almost don't want to laugh. They want they want to be teased. It they want it teased out of them. They want it coaxed out of them. So they resist, and you've got to try and break that barrier. Yeah, you've got to work for their love and affection. It's like yeah. we've got it here, but we want you to earn it. We came it's to see terrifying. you earn our love. But yeah, I mean that was just a little diatribe of me. Just just the the glory days again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, that, that Guitar Hero Live does sound fucking... Yeah. Like, like, I, I've got to try. I, I've got to try. Yeah. It is very impressive. Um, I did have one other thing from EGX that I wanted to talk about that um, <laughs> was kind of a huge deal, but I expect won't be a huge deal when it actually comes to my home, which is I got to play Va- with Valve's uh, VR headset, the HTC Vive. Ooh. Ooh, I know. It's the only one I hadn't tried yet. I tried the Oculus, I tried the Morpheus or the PlayStation VR or whatever the fuck it's called now. And Someone I was saying the, the, um, the original game they've done on it is quite a game changer. I can't remember are, where I saw that. Yeah, but. There is there is a demo reel of original software they've done to like demo this headset off. Mm. And yeah, game changer is the word I would use for that experience of VR. So... Uh, yeah, I was taken away into sort of a little private room. It was about 12 foot by 12 foot and just an empty room. And there was a computer tucked away in one corner and nothing else in the room. And you're given you two sort of uh, controllers that have track pads on the thumbs and triggers underneath and the tops of these weird sort of angular antenna things. Mm-hmm. And you put the headset on. And first of all, first thing that caught my attention... No need to calibrate the center point on the headset or calibrate like hand positions. Straight away, 
the walls of the room were where I expected them to be in world. My hands were where my brain said they should be, with very little input lag between mo- like no noticeable input lag between moving my hands and my hands in game moving. Mm-hmm. And just everything was incredibly fast and responsive. Like there were no no visible seams in the presentation. So it was 60 frames per second. Yep, 60 frames a second. Um, because I would imagine VR is one spot where that's really going to become obvious, yes, the difference it, between 60 yeah. and 30. It's really it's really obvious. It's like, hey, you've got two very high resolution screens, 60 frames a second, everything's nice and responsive, got a big wide field of view. Mm. Um, like I couldn't see the vis- like the visible frames of the edge of where the headset was ending. So good field mm. of view. Cool. And basically I spent half an hour doing stuff in this room. Um, if you got towards, like, it's walking around the room. If you're getting too close to the walls of the room that you're doing this demo in, basically in-game you'll have, like, a very holodeck-esque um, light, laser blue light cross-grid will come up. That's like, don't go through the, 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 the grid of lasers. No, don't do you. that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just spent half an hour, like, I was walking around on a submerged hull of a boat underwater washing away fish and having a whale watch watch me with its eyes as i walked around i i was picking up carrots and finely chopping them and putting them in a pan and is that is that kind of um on a very base animal level is it much more unnerving to see something like that when you're interacting in such a physical way yes when you're sort of walking around a 3d environment rather than like sat in one static position and the way you're interacting with the world is with your hands having what feels like a tangible effect on the world. <laughs> I, can't just, I can't imagine yeah. what it's going to be like if you're playing a horror game and the urge to run hits you and you just oh, go God. slap into the fucking <laughs> living room wall. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really weird because like, the level of fidelity and like finesse I could have while interacting with the world was kind of ridiculous like i was yeah. i was building machines by like taking parts out of a toolbox and like stretching them to fit size and clipping wow. them in place and by the end of this like i'd spent maybe half an hour in there just having this very 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 immersive experience um very little in the way of visible seams to anything and i took the headset off at the end and i had an experience i've never had with video games where i suddenly had to stop and think oh yeah, I spent the last 30 to 45 minutes in an empty room. None of that stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And wow. it took me a second to put that, for that thought to click into place of, yeah, none of those interactions were with physical objects. That was just me, like, doing nothing in you an empty room. You just got so room. lost in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like, that's... I've never been that lost in a virtual world. Like, it, it might sound a bit hyperbolic to say, but it sounds like, while it's only, like, a 12-foot by 12-foot room... This feels like the sort of virtual reality experience that, like, sci-fi promised us. Mm. Of you're walking around a space and interacting with things in a in a very natural, physical way. It's finally here, Job. Mm. Except that there is no way that's actually going to work in a retail environment, and this is a very clever trick on Valve's part to get people excited about their headset other than uh, rather than other people's headsets. <laughs> because that all being said, all of my evangelizing aside, uh, like ignoring the fact that I walked out of that room like swearing and breathless and shaking, no one in their house has a empty 12 by, a foot by 12 foot room. The average VR game is not going to be 
created with you sat like walking around an empty 12 foot by 12 foot room and never leaving yeah. it are they not gonna conceit? have those like um treadmill type things yeah but that's not gonna come with this headset oh okay <laughs> yeah so like no one has a 12 foot by 12 foot room and most games are not going to be built for that setup and <laughs> Allowing us to do that is something that none of the other headset manufacturers have done in their demos that feels so much more impressive, but is highly impractical and is not going to get developed for, is my suspicion. I then went and played Elite Dangerous, sat over the other side of the room where I was just sat in a chair, moving my head to look around. It's a really good VR headset, but it wasn't as groundbreaking when you do that. So if you've got a, like a 12 foot by 12 foot dedicated VR room, then this is amazing. Cool. Yeah, awesome. I don't. There you go. I, I have I to think go that's for a problem. piss. Sorry. You, you guys <laughs> okay. go on. Go for it. Um, I mean, because I see Ben Kachera from Polygon, like, he goes on and on about VR, like, it's mm. the second coming. And I'm like, you, like, you don't realise, dude, like, like, first of all, you're getting experiences that the average retail uh, buyer isn't going to get. And yeah. with a product that a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford uh, with... Uh, uh, medical requirements that some people aren't going to oh, think. Like, no, you know. that's, re- that's a really interesting thing, actually. I forgot to mention this. One of my colleagues at Destructoid, Joe Parlock, is stereo blind. He doesn't have depth perception. He had depth perception with this bloody headset. Don't know oh, how it worked. Well, I'll he's stereo blind <laughs> and he can see... He, he's stereo blind, but he can see depth in this headset. I forgot to mention that. That's a bloody weird thing. We deliberately brought him along to be like, ah, it didn't work. Because they made some kind of like um, definitive statement a while back, being like, "Oh yeah, it'll work for everyone," and it bloody worked for him. <laughs> Sorry to have interrupted your thought there, Jim. Oh no, 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 no. But um, you know, it's just. <laughs> I, I guess I'm still very cyn- as exciting as that sounds. Mm. I'm very cynical, and and reasons like what you just gave there are part of it. Where a lot of these VR experiences have been in very controlled environments uh, with yes. very controlled software. Uh, and and it doesn't help that whenever I see a game on Steam Greenlight advertised as using Oculus, they look like they always look like the kinds of games that would make you feel sick and dizzy just on a normal screen, let alone an Oculus. I don't know what attracts like flies these developers <laughs> of of horrible epileptic fit games. I just I don't get it, but I. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'm very cynical about it still. I totally agree with your cynicism. Like, I, I was very dubious going into this of the people who I've seen sort of very much evangelizing this headset over others and sort of acting like this is the second coming. And coming out of that demo, I get the knee-jerk reactions and the way they're described. Like, um, I've seen developers describe it as like, oh yeah, I came out of that like half an hour, 45-minute demo crying. I, I've seen journalists um, who've been like, oh yeah, I was speechless and just had to sit down and I was shaking and having experienced it I get that that's how I reacted for about like let's say two hours before it sunk in quite how much of that was due to it being a controlled experience that was doing things that are impractical for a home environment right (laughs) so yeah there we go uh Laura you you also played Assassin's Creed Milady didn't you oh yeah I played Assassin's Creed Milady you, you, Um, you enjoyed it yeah, um, I'm someone that doesn't play a huge amount of Assassin's Creed. I completed Assassin's Creed 3. The others I played most of, but didn't complete any of. Wow, you played the, you completed the worst one. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. Um, I bought it when the Wii U launched. I needed stuff yeah. to play. But as someone that's very sort of like, I like the gameplay loop. I never get invested enough to stick through with it. Yeah. 
that's a pretty cool depiction of London, and it mm. feels awesome to beat up Tower of Tower of London guards as a lady in a cool trench coat with a cane, and then getting pound coins rather than dollars or other foreign currencies. Mm. Something about that felt quite cool. I'm the yeah, city. I, I, the city has it. always been the number one draw for me with those games. Yeah. And this is one city that I actually have some historical context on because mm. in English schools, all we get taught about is very London-centric history. Mm. Is This is historical London. Here are the kings and queens. Here is history as it pertains to London. So it's very we, nice we to have... We get taught different kind of things about London over here. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but no, it's nice to be like, oh, this is an Assassin's Creed game set in a place that I have some knowledge of. Yeah. That's quite exciting. So I'll probably play this. The the by the way the Assassin's Creed song is gonna be like a nineties Oasis Happy Mondays <gasps> like baggy nice. yeah I, I was like, like I actually don't care about making this one fit the game I just want to do something in my favorite era of British music <laughs> I am totally it on board the, with you the only that. era of British music <laughs> 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 so is there anything else we want to talk about video gaming wise or should we move on to a couple of questions quick um, let's do the let's do the questions yeah, we do. Should we do some questions we, we do got a few questions, questions this week okay. um, first up on the on the questions um, Wesley Thomas Hall wants to ask. Is there any gaming convention anywhere in the world that you'd love to go and visit that you've not had a chance to? <clears throat> I'd love to see all of them. I especially want to go to PAX mm. next year. That that's, that one sounds like it's where everyone kind of gets together. PAX does seem to be the one that like I would love to get to because loads of people ask me to go. And mm. again, flights are expensive. Um, mm. But it just seems to be the one that like all of the cool people are at. So I'd like to go there. Um, Which one is it that they all... Is it the one in... Um... Which is the one that like everyone goes to? Which is the I big think it's Pax, Pax Prime. Pax is Prime. it Pax Prime? Have we lost Jim? Have we? <laughs> Jim, are you doodling cocks and and I'm not. No, sorry. I, I think I'm being I'm being really unprofessional <laughs> by being too professional. <laughs> going through a big, I've got a big contract open on my screen, and I keep looking at it. I've got to stop. It's GM, too much. Too GM, much which, legalese. Jim, which sorry. is the which is the Pax that everyone goes to? Pax Prime. Yeah, that's what I said. I was looking to you for confirmation. And is that the one in, like, in Seattle or is that in... Uh... This is the one in Seattle, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the only like one I've one ever that, attended. It's the one that everyone keeps asking me to go to, so yeah. I would like to attend that one what, if, if, you it, know, it is, is the date set for it, yes? Or... So I actually might go to that next year if you guys are going. I will go if I can afford to. When is mm. it? Uh, Pax... Uh, it's normally around about August, sort of late August. Mm-hmm. I'm very quickly Googling to see if there is already a PAX Prime 2016 date. Um, I'm definitely going to have to go get to Eurogamer so you can poop in my pint. Uh, the Seattle one? No, they've only got the, uh, the, the dates for 2015 up for that one. So, yeah, it's probably going to be in sort of like late August. Mm. And if I can make it out there, I would love to go. Um, mm. Other than that, just for like wanting to see the country, I would love to go to um, to Tokyo Game Show. Oh it's, yeah! It's one of those shows that like it would be highly impractical for me to go to on a work level because I yeah. understand nothing of Japan or the language or the culture. But I would love to go to see the country. So there's that. Mm. Um, and there's a couple of ones that I've been to in the past that I'd love to get to go back to that um, people have asked me to return to. Like I went to BanzaiCon in Norway a couple of years back, and that was a it was a lovely convention. I would love to go back if I could set the time and money aside to do so. So, 
yeah, maybe, yeah. But if you want to see us at conventions, ask the conventions to tell us that they want us to come and then to pay for us to go. <laughs> that's that's how you do it. Tell the conventions to give us money so we can get there. It would be so awesome if we could get together and all do a panel at one of these conventions. It would be lovely to do one, and I know we've kind of talked about ideas for maybe a time in the future when that could happen at one. Yeah, that would be but, so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm... Um, like I said, I'm due for a wedding in the UK in uh, September 2016. Uh, uh, so if Potent- all goes... Yeah, potentially Eurogamer-ish time next year. Mm. Could be could Maybe. be a thing. Could, could be, be a, a thing. thing. Uh, if you want to pay for us, to, for me and Gavin, to fly out to, uh, to PAX, maybe PAX could be a thing. We could do Conquisition. Yeah, we could do Conquisition. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be a pretty cool thing if we could do it. Um, uh, the questions this week. Um, let me load the questions up. Uh, David North wants to ask, what's the last free-to-play or just like completely free browser game that you remember enjoying? Uh, and this was... Browser game. I'm going yeah, to have to answer that. I'm going to have to pass on this one. I've never played any. Yeah, because I've, um, uh, I've been doing a sort of experimenting with a new play, uh, new series on my YouTube channel called Itchio Tasty, where I play <laughs> Itchio games, yes. H.io games. Mm. Um, the last one was uh, the David Cameron special, celebrating <laughs> when David Cameron fucked that pig. I don't know if you've ever mentioned it. Yeah, apparently um, you fucked that pig. No, no, no one's been talking about it enough. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to remember the actual uh, name of the game. Uh, but I can look it up right now by going to Itchio. Because I played, I, the, the, the idea of the series is I put in a random word in the itch.io search d- uh, database <laughs> and then played the games that turn up. <laughs> so obviously that week I did Pig. And <laughs> Iron Snout, that's the name of it. Oh, how Iron was Snout. Iron Snout? <laughs> yeah, you're a pig and you're fighting wolves and you stand perfectly still. Um, and you hammer like a direction left and right to punch in the left and right direction as the wolves come in from either side, um, and you can jump as well and and duck. And using just those four very simple commands, not even moving or anything, you wait for the wolves to come close, punch at them. You can uppercut them, jump up, do weird combos. Uh, if you punch, they've all got cleavers, and if you punch while a cleaver that they've dropped falls from the air, you can grab it and throw it at the next wolf that comes. Like, it's really mechanically simple, that's, and yet really fast-paced and exciting. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, so Iron Snout, it's on uh, Itch.io right now, free in a browser, and I really did quite enjoy it, so mm. yeah. I, I have a recommendation that's on Itch.io as well, and it's a game called Rhythm Doctor, and I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but it is a music rhythm game that is really simple. It is a single one-button music rhythm game. All you're doing is there will be a rhythm, you press the spacebar on the seventh beat. And Mm -hmm. it does various things mechanically to sort of uh, start throwing you off track on that, where it'll do like um, this... It, it's all narratively tied, so it might be this person is um, is romantically lovesick, so their heart skips a beat every now and then. So you're like having to hit the seventh beat, but some of the beats aren't like making any noise. Um, sometimes it will just be like visual design stuff that's um, designed to throw you off track, and it's all really interesting in that I've never seen a music rhythm game that quite so well ties the one button music rhythm mechanics into narrative. So I'll describe one of the levels. I think it's like the second level of the game. You have had a new patient brought in who is a young boy who's just been dumped. 
And the mechanic here is, oh yeah, he's, his heart's skipping a beat because he's sad over his forlorn love. And you're just playing through this sort of acoustic guitar music rhythm song by tapping the keyboard. And about halfway through the song, the person who he's pining for is also brought in. And she has a different rhythm going on, and someone else is doing her rhythm. So you have to ignore one rhythm that's playing, keep your your mind on the other rhythm, and like still hit the seventh beat as it's coming up. And as you go through this song, the two pieces of music that aren't at the same sort of uh, aren't at the same pace and don't mesh slowly blend together until they become one piece of music and they are happy again and they stop skipping beats and like there's no words to it but it is just this beautiful like music rhythm mechanics used to tell a narrative and it's really sweet and adorable and then there's a boss fight where you fight a samurai and then you are in the matrix and everything glitches which makes it really hard to do music rhythm while you fight the Matrix Samurai Ninja. Oh, is this Frog Fractions 2? It's not, unfortunately. Oh. It it came out before Frog Fractions 2. Um, there was a weird Facebook thread this week asking if I was Frog Fractions 2, and then some weird messages that started to break apart and be all weird and corrupted, where it's like, Laura is Frog Fractions 2. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> so, today is National Podcast Day. Yeah, I've just seen this. Apparently it's National Podcast Day. Uh, all the people who were tweeting mentioning us on that Thank you. That's really sweet of you. Yeah, thanks for that. That's, yeah. that's lovely. Thank uh, you I do people. like that a lot of podcasters, big ones as well, like Mark Maron and stuff, had no idea it was podcast day. I had no idea it was podcast yeah, day. I, I do. I do like half a dozen of them. Yeah, you, you do every podcast that isn't yeah, Mark Maron. I do every podcast, and somehow I don't know that it's it's it is the day that celebrates that thing I do every day. Too busy yeah. doing podcast podcasts. day to us. Happy podcast day to us. So yeah, uh, Rhythm Doctor, that's a really cool free browser game that you should all go look at. Um, By the way, last week I was trying to, um, I was, my mum my, my was catching up on everything I've been doing and stuff. And I was telling her about, the, I was, oh yeah, I do a podcast every week. And she's like, oh, I should listen to yeah. it. I was like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> you <laughs> definitely, terrified. definitely shouldn't. I'm terrified <laughs> that my mum will find this podcast because she's creeping closer and closer to my online work. Mm. So... Uh, when I did the review of Pussy, she found the written review and asked me about it over dinner with my father. Um, she, since then, I did a different podcast, not this one, thankfully, um, one I do called The Geek Night In, that I put up an episode yesterday morning, and about half an hour later, she starts tweeting me about it, like, uh, Facebooking me about it. She's like, oh yeah, I was listening to The Geek Night In, I really like this recommendation you made about this mobile game called Ingress. And I was like, wait... You're reading the review I wrote of Pussy and you're listening to podcasts I did. Oh, God. Are you going to listen to Podquisition? Fuck. It's like Podquisition is like the grotty, shitty prize at the end of your mother's very own curiosity cube. Yeah, this this is the, like, she's tapping away on the cubes and then she's like, oh, this is what's at the centre. Yeah. Oh. So if you're listening to this, Mum... Don't judge me. This is the main reason that people want to give me money, it seems. Like, this is the main thing I do that people like. (laughs) To be honest, um, this episode's been all right. This one hasn't been too bad. There was a little bit of mention of shitting in bats at the start, but other than that, I I swore a fair amount, Mm. but I didn't say anything that I would regret saying in front of my mother, I guess. I don't think. I'll see how that is in the edit. I might have forgotten about something. Mm. But yeah, I am I am worried that she's getting disturbingly close to listening to Podquisition. 
I'm hoping that like if we keep the titles disgusting and foul, she'll get the idea that it's not for her. Like like mm. put them up as some kind of scarecrow or something. Well, we haven't well, actually that, got one. That that's this what I told my mum. I said it's was, it's an hour of of yeah. toilet humor and video games. Well, last you, week you wouldn't was like David, it. Yeah, last week was David Cameron fucked a pig. So, you know, that was something. If we'd gone with, like, shit in the bath rubber duckies, that might have scared her off. Mm. Yeah, um, but, I mean, no one, no one's turned off by David Cameron fucked a pig, because no, the moment no. you hear that, that's, that's like it's bird like, seed to a sparrow. Yeah. It's like, I've oh, got to is, see this. Oh, this is going to be a, an intelligent political satire podcast. When we I get imagine. to um, our year anniversary, we should uh, all pick our favourite title of a podquisition episode of the... That'd be nice. Yeah, wouldn't it yeah. just? Uh, it's coming up. It's coming up. Like there's, there's anniversaries coming. It's what, there's the anniversary. Seven, it's what seven episodes away? Possibly, yeah. Oh, I think yeah, this is forty-five, so it's like less than two months, I think, and we'll be there. Dude, like, I mean, I don't want to over hype anything. I do. I hate hype culture <laughs> and stuff. But I am personally excited for just everything I'm doing until the end of this year. Like mm. the. Uh, October kicks off the build-up to Halloween, and all this Jimquisition's going to be a little bit spooky for like every episode until then. Just a little bit until obviously the big main one. <laughs> until on until the, the thing one. happens. Um, I mean, the thing thing starts on this this coming episode. Oh, are people going to start That's... understanding the thing soon? They, they'll start seeing a bit of the thing. Um, and then the big blowout will be at the end of the month. So I'm excited okay. about Jim, you, that. you keep um, popping up fucking everywhere, man. I was looking at uh, videogamer.com <laughs> this week and you were on one of their YouTube videos in, in doing like a, a oh, Metal yeah, Gear thing. Oh yeah, I forgot to Yeah, um, I, I was on the latest Miller Report. Like Miller Report is my favourite web show that isn't the Doomquisition. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, 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 I talk about these guys all the time on social media, but Video Gamer TV is the YouTube channel. Videogamer.com is the website. Like, I love the hell out of those mm. guys. Their top uh, 10 they video games video stuff. was amazing. Yeah, yeah they, they do some fantastic funny. things. Yeah, they, they, they don't give a shit about pissing off. Like, like I, I mean, they're, 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 <laughs> it's, it's because of them that I use the term boiled piss, because that's what that Steve Burns calls basically pissing off uh, people um mm. and i love that term of adopted and abused it to uh, breaking point um <laughs> but yeah i was on the miller report this week um their episode metal gear sterling um so that 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 was exciting um got some more voice acting stuff coming up as well uh, that i can't really talk about yet it, it's uh, cool though it's cool stuff yeah it's a very cool yeah, one yeah it's a very uh, cool thing what you can't talk about yeah so, yeah, we've still got uh, Jim Sterling's licensed game experience is still in the works. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, a design document. The trouble with the game is uh, that my schedule and the schedules of the developers <laughs> who are still um, wanting to remain unnamed for now um, are really bad. Like, you've seen how much I work yes. in a given week. <laughs> they are just as bad. So yeah. it, it's taking time just from the, the fact that, that mm. you know, it's they keep having to throw a tennis ball in my court and then I've got to take mm. time with it and throw it in well, their I've court. Well, I've been very the... careful not to tell anyone that you're in the new digital homicide game. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I... uh, but there's that yeah. and we're building up to the, mm. uh, obviously the one year anniversary of the Jimquisition's independence. Um, so there's, um, I want to do a big day that day. And mm. then of course that leads us straight into the year end content, the top 10 shittiest games of the year. The yeah. That's Awards, always fun. That top 10 lists are so, fun. Yeah, yeah, so I am just I'm I'm really excited from basically this coming Monday up to the end of the year 
should be a run of mm. really good content and I you know fingers crossed people enjoy it you know yeah I'm very excited about the next coming months as well just because again I'm going to be coming up to my year anniversary on doing this whole full-time writing thing Laura do you have an annual recap of the best best uh, butts in gaming every year um, well, this is the first year that butts have really been a part of You're my sort of brand identity. So yeah. that's that is going to be one of those things that I'm going to have to do on the one year anniversary yeah. is top ten butts of the f- the first year of butts. Mm. Laura, I Laura's year should, of butts. I think you should do it of of 2015 because then you can do it every year annually and it'll be easier that way. It would be, but equally, I want to do something on the year anniversary to do with hey, here's a year of butts. Um, mm. Maybe not the 2015 butts, but maybe my favourite butts of all time as a celebration of the year. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I have some stuff planned for my one year anniversary. Um, There are some exciting announcement-y things that I can't talk about yet as well that I'm excited for when times line up that things get known. Um, Mainly the rest of this year, I have a lot of... It's going to be a lot of freeform stuff. I haven't really planned out a lot of it, and I'm going to see how the year takes me. Um, Mm. This next month, I'm going to be in London at least once a week, if not more, for events. That's going to be a really weird month. So if you're in London, shout, because I'll be around probably. (laughs) So yeah, woo! And I'm really excited for Gavin, because he's going to play Undertale and then do a song about it. I've been getting a lot of people nagging me to. Are you responsible for this, Jim? Is this you? I'm not. Fault no, this is? it's actually. It's we were talking earlier about how people keep going, having a go at you to tell me things. Yeah. I had a bit of that with people saying, "Why don't you go bug Gavin to do a song about Undertale?" It's, it's one um, of those things. I've not bugged anyone to bug you to make a song about Undertale, Gavin. But if you did, I wouldn't object to that happening. I would say, like, there's, I mean, a, there's a lot the of bugging going on between is, between that it's not my and, fault. and the Drake collection, and between Soma, and between. Yeah. What's There's the other a one? A lot of people want a Mad Max game song. I'm like, just imagine Road Rage is in the Mad Max game. <laughs> it's about um, the same universe. Did, honestly, I think if you were to play Undertale, um, mm. I think you you would find inspiration. I sure. I can't fucking stand uh, turn-based combat though. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I I tolerated it. I tolerated it in like Brian Fargo's games because I like everything else about those games so much. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it's fair enough. Like I said, I mean, I know you get requests and demands and shit, so I didn't want to. Yeah, no, my, my answer those, to every but... request that are you have to play X, it's like I will add it to the 10,000 other things people told me to play this <laughs> I, week. I do repeatedly get people asking me. When is Gavin going to start taking our audience recommendations for things to make mm. songs about? I'm like, uh, or you, you should do a song about needs to always be accompanied with one reason. <laughs> if you can't answer me going, why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, have we got a, a time for a couple of other quick questions before we wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, very quick question that someone was asking for me. Um, Sam Owens asked, Tornado a tornado energy drink, did you just win or did you do damage? And the, the reasoning for this is EGX that just happened. Just Cause 3 was there and it was sponsored by an energy drink called Tornado. It came in three flavours, all of which were shit, called uh, Ice, Active and Action. All of them were oh, shit. That the, makes me sick just yeah, hearing the names. Uh, basically, they are cheap Cola, LucasAid and Smirnoff Ice. 
they were giving them away in large quantities, like half liter cans, to children as young as five or six. Um, the 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 slogan is uh, "Don't just win, do damage," and the PR people were all sort of men in their late twenties who would run up to you holding a can, shove the can in your face, and scream, Don't just win! Do damage! And then thrust the can at you. So, um... I, sounds I, nightmarish! <laughs> that sounds worse than Guitar Hero Life! <laughs> it was terrifying! So, uh, did I just win or did I do damage? Um, I won by not consuming too much of the energy drink, and I did damage because the small amounts of it that I did drink probably corroded my insides. There we go. Um... <laughs> Sarah Berman wants to ask, if you could change one character's fate in any video game, good guy or bad guy, for better or worse, who would you choose and why? That's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling things, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I have a spoiler-free answer to this, because originally I wanted to say none of them, because if I like the piece of media enough to want, like, to care about the character that much, then I should leave it be, because that's the artistic vision. That being said, I want to change the fate of the character in the post credit scene for Beyond Good and Evil so that the thing that happens doesn't happen so I no longer desperately want Beyond Good and Evil 2 like, the thing that is the hook for the sequel change that bit of their fate so that doesn't happen so there's no hook for a sequel so I don't have to live through I've this I've got a good one actually what's your good one? Reaver from fucking Fable 3 why mm. on earth at no point in that game could I turn around and murder that bastard? <laughs> Yes. I love Reaver though. It's one of the few things about the Fable series I genuinely love. It was so weird um, though me, in a game all oh, about sorry. choice that this complete fuckwit is fucking everything up for you and at no point do you even try and interject and like stop him. It was sometimes really weird. Sometimes you don't get a choice. Mm. Yeah, and, sometimes. And that's the biggest but the game, choice of all. The game sometimes didn't really things, tell you yeah. why you have to accept everything he's doing. And Sometimes you just have to do what you're told, and sometimes that is narratively cohesive and important. Much like <laughs> the ending of Mass Effect 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for me, I, I'd like to change... I'd, I'd just like for there to have been a reason to have had more proper Liquid Snake. I just I, I want more Cam Clark hamming it up, running around going, Brother! Like, I want more of that, but mm. we, yeah, we never like, did. And Metal Gear Solid 4 kind of fucked all that up. Liquid! Anytime a really good character gets killed off, there is that just moment of, can we just not kill them off so we can just get a little more of them? Just a bit more. Because just like not much, not not so much that you like the character stops being good. Just a little bit more. More. Just like a spoon, a teaspoon more than we got. And last question I have on the topic list, Matt Back wants to ask: Can you think of a time when a game's soundtrack detracted from an otherwise good game? Planescape, Torment, the combat music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, pretty much any JRPG that uses um has lyrics in its combat theme. Yeah, that you don't like that. I found uh, the music in I, Bayonetta, I like the some... first Bayonetta, quite um, obnoxious, actually. Yeah, like, I, I, like, I like the lyrics in battle songs when it's in foreign languages, and I don't understand what's being said. I do not like English-language lyrics in battle songs. Oh, they're always so bad. They're over. always so bad. At least if it's in, like, Japanese, I don't understand what's being said, and it's probably yeah. still equally cheesy and terrible. I will find the power... Oh my god. Okay, so slight side note, I was recently rewatching the uh, the dubbed anime of Yu-Gi-Oh! And my god, that has the worst, best 
um, like angsty teenage inspiration music in it. Like there is there is a song in like the toward the end of the first series that has the the power ballad line. We were closer than brothers, but now we have to fight each other. Oh dear, it's <laughs> a little on the nose. That that sounds like pe- what the song people want me to be singing to Jim. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Tilly have just been quoting that at each other for weeks. It's mm-hmm. just been we were closer than brothers, but now we have to fight each other. <laughs> so yeah, any th- time that that is a battle tune in a JRPG, fuck that. Wow. I honestly can't think of one myself. I generally find if the music's not very good, I, it's just forgettable. Mm. I think yeah. that that's what I don't like the most. Like even if it's even if it's shit cheesy music, I enjoy. Actually, it. funny enough, one of the few um, I didn't like some of the music in Fallout Three. Actually, some of the um, the kind of very America like military horn stuff that you would get when you're in the middle of Washington. I just Something about it just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> like the stuff the iBots are playing and stuff. They go by. Not just that stuff, but like when you're on the mall and there's that kind of vaguely militaristic horn music right. playing as part of the soundtrack. Um, I just it, That music's never done anything for me, kind of horn music. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and with that, is that a good place for us to wrap up this week? Because we went on I a think bit we longer. Yeah, this week. I guess so. We, we, yeah. we had a bit of a long one. I've got a yeah, in the fridge. I'm fucking I'm hungry. To be I've, I've still got yeah. two chicken nuggets that I was intending to eat during the show and I never got around to. All I've had today was like a couple of rice cakes, which I actually realised taste like sugar puffs without the sugar. Yeah, they're not bad, are they? I, I quite oh. like a good rice cake with a little thin spreading of Marmite on it. Ew, you're so British. <laughs> no, I have I have a little tub of barbecue sauce and two chicken nuggets to eat after this because I am classy. I hope the listeners appreciate it, right? Laura's got got a pair of cold nuggets because of of you, listeners. Because of you, I have to eat my nuggets cold. I hope you're happy. No one likes a pair of cold, pair of chilli nuggets. Um, (laughs) Right, so that's that. That's the smut out of the way. Uh, Laura, when you've done with those nuggets, you presumably do other work on the internet that people can enjoy. Where can they enjoy that stuff? If you want to find the other things that I make, you can find me at most places on Laura K Buzz. The most important ones would be Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on Patreon, which pays the bills, Laura K Buzz on Reddit, which is a pretty good place to find all of my work curated in one place. And other than that, just search Laura K Buzz. I'm sure you'll find it all. Probably toward the end of this week, I'm going to have a feature up on Polygon about all of my shouty ramblings about um, Destiny and The Taken King. So you can read that on Polygon probably Friday, maybe. Maybe a little later, I don't know. Up to when they decide to put it up. So, yeah, that, that'll do. Okay, and Gavin! Gavin! We need you to do songs, and we need to demand that you make those songs. Uh, but the songs that you've already done can already be listened to. Where can they be listened to? They can be listened to on YouTube, if you search for Miracle Sound, where the Metal Gear 5 song is currently doing very well. And also, especially this week, make sure to come over to the Groupies Bundle Sale, where we're giving 50% mm. of everything to the Red Cross Syria Appeal. And Shoot me a Facebook link, um, a link on Facebook to that, so I can uh, try and remember to put it in the show notes. I will indeed, definitely. 
There we go. Um, that's about it from us. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always. We will be back next week with another load of rambly bollocks that we'll try and keep to an hour, but we'll go on way too long with. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.